Hi, and welcome to the Hope Centre podcast. We really hope you are encouraged to listening to this message today. If you would like to know more about the Hope Centre, please feel free to visit us on www.hopecentre.ie or drop us an email at info at hopecentre.ie. I want to talk about um, life and death and, and, and the scripture the Lord put into me in my head for this weekend was that the power of our words and the power of life and death is in our tongue and what we say is really important. But I want to, when I said this in the beginning to look good out there, I want to talk about the building thing for a minute because we're in a, we're in a fairly crucial stage right now around this building and I just want to give you, for those of you who don't know the story of the journey that some of us have been on, um, in October 2013, we got a, a phone call. I got a phone call one day from Kieran and Naomi. Who, and they had seen this building on Daft for sale. And, um, and they were saying, Brian, the building is the convent behind you. It's for sale. We were renting the little offices in the village and renting the hall up in the village at the time. And um, Kieran rang. I think it was Kieran anyway. One of them rang me and said, listen, look up on Daft, Brian. The convent is for sale. So we had seen the nuns evacuate this place or, or leave this place about two years before that. Um, we'd been up in the office in the, in the back bedroom of the house one day and I saw them coming up with a van and pulling all the stuff out of the chapel and all. And we'd see the nuns gone and we knew it was empty, but we didn't know what was happening to it. And uh, anyway, he said, listen, and I said, how much is it? And he said, 400 grand. I said, there's definitely a zero missing there somewhere. It should be 4 million or something. And he said, no, it's 400 grand. So anyway, I inquired about it and... Um, and we went, we, I talked to an auctioneer on a Tuesday on the phone, and he said, yeah, you, can, you could buy the building, I'd need a deposit off. I think we came and looked at it first. The big gang of us came and had a walk around of it. And um, we just kept walking into rooms and going, oh my God, what the size of this place? And on a Tuesday, the auctioneer told me he needed a 10,000 deposit by the weekend. We had no money in the bank, as is per usual for Hope. Um, and a long story short, by Friday, I was able to give him a check for 10000 that the Lord provided. And we thought we were on the pig's back. We thought we're definitely getting this bill and everything's falling into place. Within another two months, we had about 40 grand in the bank. And it was just coming out of everywhere. And then it all just stopped. Huh? Yeah, well, we had a meeting with the, with the, um, the people who were selling it and there were some clauses in it that would have caused us great difficulty um, attached to the, to the new building out here. And we were trying to walk our way around that. But whatever reason it was, it stopped. And the law closed the door. And we didn't get the building. And we went, and in April 2014, we got the deposit back. Hmm? Anyway. Um, actually, I wasn't expecting this. We went through a couple of months that were, at the same time, sorry, okay, I should get it right. At the same time that happens, this wasn't part of what I was planning. In November 2013, I had a nervous breakdown and walk. Had nothing to do with here. 
had nothing to do with the church, had nothing to do with family. It was just, it was work-related. And all of this was happening at the same time. So for 2014 was a weird year. Um, Jenny wasn't expecting this. Anyway, 2014, everyone else says they know I'm a winger. But anyway, 2014 was a weird year. I sat in bed over there some days and wanted to petrol bomb this place. I wanted to kill people. Um, I prayed blessing over it. I prayed fire and brimstone over it. I went through the whole range of emotions that you can go through because it was something I thought we had and we didn't have it anymore. And then we came to a place in August 2015. I came to a place in August. I think Anne, around the same time, came to the same place and it was like, God's will, let it go. Took a year to get there. Let it go, little over a year. And we went on holidays in September 2015. And I got a phone call when we were on a cruise ship in Miami. That sounds really nice, doesn't it? A cruise ship in Miami. <laughs> we were on a cruise ship in Miami. I was trying to get over it. I was trying to get over it. Um, but we got a phone call from somebody asking us would we be interested in renting the convent. And I said no, because I didn't know if I could just go back into that whole thing again. I was only after getting it out of my system. And um, anyway, this guy asked us, and, and he said, listen, I'll meet you when you come back, and we sit down and we discuss it all. And then we sat down and we'd done a deal that was just too good to be true. And it was too good to be true. He, he hadn't done his homework and he hadn't contacted. This building was eventually bought, sorry, by a, a German investor called Klaus. I can't pronounce the man's second name. He owns it now. Um, and it's managed by a company here for him. And anyway, this guy hadn't approached that company, hadn't done any of the homework. But basically what he wanted to do was he wanted to rent this building but use our charity as a front. Because he wanted to rent out upstairs to students and he couldn't get permission to do that. But if we'd have rented that as a charity, he could sublet off of us and do it all. If we'd have done that, we would have blown any chances we had with the actual landlord who owned the building. I didn't know all this at the time. It was just, we were getting this whole building for like a song. So anyway, we figured out that wasn't going to happen. I eventually, but through that, and I always think this is amazing, what the devil plans for bad, God uses for good. What he tried to get us hoodwinked into, opened the door to us have a conversation with the actual landlords. To have a conversation with the actual people who had the power to rent out the place. And in November 2015, we signed an 18-month lease on this building. Um, 18 to 24 months. And we had our first carol service here in December 2015. And we spent six weeks before that washing these bloody walls because they were minging. Yeah? And several people and... and, and um, and I have to say, Alex got us scaffolding and, and like just, we just, everyone pitched in and we got this place ready. I made a phenomenal night in the carol service. And then we came in in the January and we had to kind of start from scratch and we got, Cathy put us in touch with people and we got the probation department got involved and we got people coming in on community service. And, and slowly but surely we've got the place to now, okay? And coming in in that stage, it was like, what are we going to do? What if we get this for two years and God takes it back up? Oh, we can't have it. Or the landlord says you can't have it. And, um, and we prayed and prayed and prayed. And anyway, I really believe God said, you can have it for two years. See what you do with it. If you do right with it, we'll figure something out. If you don't, well, then it's over. So I just want to fill you in where we're at right now. If you're thinking that I'm just going to go, oh, it's all sorted. It's not. It's in the middle of it all. <laughs> but I've had several meetings with the landlord's agents. And they're quite happy to lease this building to us long term, but they are talking silly money. 
I mean really silly money. So we have one final meeting due to happen on the 1st of August, where we will find out whether we get to keep this building or not, or whether we get to stay here. Um, so I want to ask you, in the, in, in the same spirit I was talking to you earlier about asking for prayer requests, ask God for his will to be done in this place. Not necessarily for us to get. I have no doubt if we lose this, I'd be heartbroken again, but I'll get over it. The grace of God will be enough to get us through it. And he'll deal with us in whatever way he has to. Something inside me is saying that's not what's going to happen. I have somewhere got a peace and a belief that, that we're supposed to be in this building. Um, that we're supposed to use this building to, to touch this community. And we're doing that. Um, we need to do more of it. We need more people to get on board and to start selling their lives out for the kingdom and, and, and serving and not just in on a Sunday morning, but during the week. But there's so much opportunity out there to, to touch people's lives around this area. But we are doing it. And we've done the best we can with what we've got. But right now I believe in God to give us the rest of the building and for us to have sole possession in this place for at least the next 20 to 25 years. I want to buy it because I don't want to make some German fellow rich paying him rent. I'd rather invest into the kingdom so that it's going to be here forever. But if all we can do is rent, then I'm willing to do that. It's not my choice. It's God's choice. He has it. Everything to do with this right now is out of our control. We've made the offer that we think we can afford. They've told us what they're looking for. We're not anywhere close. So we need God to wake that man up in the middle of the night and scare the living daylights out of him and have him give us the building for peace sake, just so that he can breathe again. Yeah? So, so his name is Klaus. The agent's name is Martin, who's a believer, but he has a job to do. He's on our side, but he also has a job to do. Um, and we've had a really good relationship with him for the last two years. So just please keep that in prayer. God can do anything that needs to be done. If he can take two million people out of Egypt against the Pharaoh's wishes, he can give us a building. If he can take, like, when we left um, St. Mark's many years ago, one of the words God gave us, was from the book of Exodus, and it was about how God got the Egyptians to bless the Israelites with all of their wealth when they were leaving. I can't think of the exact scripture now. It's in Exodus, but it was about, and we experienced that when we started, even in this building, we had people knocking on the door saying, do you want this? Do you want that? Could you use this? Most of the furniture, if not all of the furniture, tellies and everything else you see in this building were given to us either donated directly or we were given money to buy them. The chairs you sit on where the money was donated by a church in the States. The boardroom down there, every single scrap of furniture, the telly on the wall, everything was given to us. Most of the stuff down in the kitchen. Like, so just, just be aware, God is in this. He's blessed it. He's blessed what he's doing. And this leads me into what I want to talk about and what I believe God wanted me to talk about, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. In Proverbs, it says this, what you say can mean life or death. Those who speak with care will be rewarded. Internal power of life and death. In the message version of that, it says this, words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So most times I've ever heard this text quoted, it's been about how we say things to other people and how we speak life or death over other people. And I think we do that. I think we really do. I think we're capable of doing that. And we're certainly capable of doing it with young people and speaking life into them or speaking death into them. Um, 
And we need to be careful of that. But I also, and it's about how you let other people speak into your life. But here's the thing. Generally in a conversation, you will only ever remember about 20% of what the other person said. You'll remember about 80% of what you said. What I will remember most out of that worship piece this morning is the mistakes that I met. Because that's what will play in my head. What most other people will remember, hopefully, is the presence of God that they experienced. If you remember the mistakes as well, then don't tell me. It's okay. It's bad enough. I remember them. You don't need to point them out to me. Um, the, can I just say, in practice, it went really well. I only screwed her up in the real thing. If you ever think about all the dumb things that you've said in a conversation, at some stage to somebody, and then you leave that conversation, and in your head you're going, oh God, what did I say that for? How could I have said that? The next time I see them, I'm going to have to say sorry, because I shouldn't have said that. And then you go and you go, Hey, honey, sorry, Anne. I remember I said this, and you're going, no. And you're standing there again like a tick going, oh, what did I say it for? And they didn't even remember. We remember. We remember what's going on in here is much more important and much more powerful than we believe. If it's a person, we, we tend to only remember about 20% of what other people say to us. So even if people are nasty to us, we'll still only remember about 20% of it. If you're a child, or if you're somebody who's vulnerable, or who's not feeling great in yourself, then someone in authority, like if you're feeling sick and a doctor starts speaking into your life, you'll tend to believe it. If you're a child and your parents or the teacher is speaking into your life, you'll believe that. A little bit like that man, that black man in that movie, he was being told as a child he was never going to amount to it, and he was all this stuff because of the color of his skin. But the words of Jesus set him free. And they changed what he had. We can push negative beliefs on. And here's what happens when other people tell us stuff and we begin to believe it. It goes from them saying you're stupid to me saying I'm stupid. It goes from them saying you're bad to me saying I'm bad. Or them saying you're ugly to me saying I am ugly. Or you're useless becomes I'm useless. Other people's words can either be amazing blessings into our lives or they can make prison cells for our dreams. And they make prison cells for our destinies and they can rob us of our future. And the thing I really believe God wants us to get this morning is that we need to be careful what we're saying to ourselves because we start saying to ourselves what other people said to us. And when I say talking to yourself, most people will go, I don't talk to myself, which is proof that you do. All right? You with me? Yeah? Because we all talk to ourselves all the time. Sometimes you even do it out loud. Yeah? Hopefully when no one else is listening because then they know you're barmy. But... Here's the reality of we do it, okay? And call it a different word, we think. And once you're thinking, you're talking to yourself. And the question is, are we talking life or death to ourselves? Because just like my words have power over other people, they have power over me. If I say I'm stupid, that's much more powerful than someone else saying I'm stupid. The Bible teaches me that I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. In Rome, be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So people in this world told you all the negative things that you believe about yourself. Every single one of them. You're too short, you're too tall, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're stupid, you're a nerd, you're a brain box, whatever negative thing was seen. But as long as we believe live believing those things to be true, then I'm conforming to the pattern of this world. And I'm not 
To be transformed, I need to renew my mind. I need to change what I Yeah, sorry. But this will get it recorded. To be transformed, I need to renew me. I need to change what I'm thinking and what I'm saying to myself. So what are you saying to yourself about yourself? What are you focusing your thoughts on, your words on? And whether they're internal words that are never expressed in the real world, they never come outside of your mouth, or whether they're out in the world and you're telling everybody something about you, either way, they have power. Even if you're only thinking it. Oh my God, how could I do that? I am such a whatever. The Bible says we should think about good things. Philippians 4 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'll ask you for a minute. Think about what God says about you. Speak life into yourself. God has never said once that you're stupid. God has never said once you don't measure up. God has never said once you're not good enough. What he has said is that you are my child. That I love you with a love beyond anything you can ever understand. That I will give you peace. That you are my... special. Um, flick two slides up there for a second, will you? Please. Ocean. Just go up the next one again. Start saying this stuff to yourself. I'm blessed, healed, beautiful, whole, confident, forgiven, grateful, favored, courageous, determined, unstoppable, generous, loved, gifted, anointed. I am well able. And this next slide is my favorite. I am God's masterpiece. Because the scripture says I am God's masterpiece. In Ephesians 2.10, think about what God says about you. Speak that into yourself. Self-talk is the most powerful force that we can overcome. You know the scripture says, do not worry. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray, trust, and believe. My head says, worry. My head says, be anxious. My head says, control things, fight. Everything inside of me for the last couple of months has been telling me, Brian, you need to do something. You need to do something about that building. You can't just leave it in God's hands. You have to do something. Manipulate, lie, steal. Do whatever it takes. Get stressed out. Because it's not human. We're supposed to be stressed out. No, we're not. The world says I'm supposed to be stressed out, but that's being conformed to the way of the world. God tells me to not be anxious. And can I just tell you something? Anxiety is just as much a sin as stealing. There's the nervous one, isn't there? Right? Because if it says do not steal... And we say, well, that's bad. You shouldn't do that. And then it says, do not be anxious. The language is the same. Because when I'm saying, I can't handle this, or you can't handle this, God, I need to be stressed about it. What I'm basically doing is putting me in the place of God. John says, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they can have life and have it to the full. So speak life. If the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, he's going to steal your joy and my joy and our peace as well. And I can promise you, he has been trying to steal my peace for the last number of weeks, and particularly this week. It's like every morning, it's just coming in like a pounding. He wants to kill your relationships. 
And he has killed relationships. In this church even, he's killed them. And he has destroyed people's destiny. And he wants to destroy our destinies. In Isaiah it says, You will keep him in perfect peace who trusts in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. I, I did this exercise. I think I've done it here before, but I'm going to do it again. Just bear with me if you've already done this. I'm sure none of you do, but you probably have friends who do this. Does anyone ever worry about anything in your life? No? Never worried. Play a game with me for a minute. If you've ever worried about something, put your hand up in the air. Okay, don't look around. Just you're on your own business. Keep your hand up, right? Until I say something that doesn't match you. If you've ever worried about something. If you've ever worried about something that kept you awake at night. Have you ever worried about something that made your stomach feel sick? Ever worried about something that actually threw up because you were so upset about it? Have you ever done all of that and it didn't happen? Right? There's the power of life and death in our words. Because what happens when I worry is I start playing a tape in my head of the worst possible outcome for what could happen. It's like I get in the ESB bill in the door and then about six minutes or probably quicker, I'm in a cardboard box living in O'Connell Street. <laughs> That's what worry does. It takes a tiny seed and it grows it into a mountain. In the world, they call it catastrophizing. We build a mountain out of a molehill. And God says, you need, maybe it's a mountain, but you need to look to a God that's much bigger than even that mountain. Here's the thing. When I go down the road of worry, I end up sick. When I get hit with, with worry, with pain, with anxiety, and it's hit me this week. It's hit me. I've had that sick stomach. Oh, my God, what if we lose that building? The only answer I have for that is to go to God in prayer. Because that's what the Scripture tells me to do. In everything, in prayer and petition, don't worry about it. In Philippians 4, 6, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And that was the bit I was forgetting. I have to be honest, I was forgetting that. We have another situation in our life where I often... I'm concerned about what's going to happen in a situation. And the other day, God told me, you have never thanked me for what I've already done in that situation. We need to remember what he has already done. Because doing that is not just so God gets the fuzzy wuzzies because we're going, oh, thank you. It's so that we get the strength to understand he's big enough to sort this stuff out. And we get to remember that our God is the God who made the world. Do you think it's too hard for God to give us a building? Do you think it's too hard for God to sort out whatever mess is in our lives? If he can make this world and the universe and everything else, and we either believe he did or he didn't. And if we believe he did, then he has to be big enough to sort out whatever. Here's the promise, and I'm going to finish with this. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, Then, no, let me go back to 6 again, because I need you to hear this. In 6 it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And in 7 it says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I just want a bit of peace. I honestly, at this stage, realize I don't need to be rich. 
I don't need to be healthy even. I don't need to have everything in place in my life. I just need some peace. I need to be able to put my head down at night time in peace. I need to be able to live my day in peace. I need to be able to, to engage with other people in peace. Not in strife. Not in high anxiety. Not worry down my box. Not stressed to ribbons. Because that's conformed to the ways of the world all around me. What have I got to show people that Jesus makes a difference if I'm just the same as the rest of them? But I want to tell you, he makes the difference. Scripture says if we had faith as small as a mustard seed, we can say to a mountain, move. I've never tried it with the sugar loaf, but I'm trying it with this mountain. I have the faith as small as a mustard seed to believe God can do this. I have no problem believing God can do this. I'm not just 100% sure that it's his will to do it. That's the only difference I have. I, honest to God, I have no problem believing anymore that God can do whatever he needs to do. I'm just trying to get into a place where I understand what his will is. But what is the thing in your life right now that you can't let go of to God? What is the thing that's, that's wrecking your head, that's robbing your sleep, that's robbing your peace? Where have you no peace in your life? I'm going to put that, there's a slide coming up. The lad's going to click it now. And it has that song that we just sang, Amazing Grace. And we're going to take two or three minutes and just listen to this. When I say to you, God's grace is sufficient for whatever's going on. No matter how hard it gets, how bad it gets, or how bad it is. I love what Mimi said yesterday. She talked about God's grace, but she said it didn't take away the trouble. It just gave her the strength to get through it. Rob Carley says that grace is God's oil to help you slide through the sewer pipe of life. He usually says a different word. I don't know what happened to that, but that's okay. What is the thing you need today from God? Where's the place in your life that the devil has robbed your peace? That he's destroyed maybe a relationship on you? That you're sitting there going, I don't know what my future holds. I don't know if I even have a future because he's been able to steal your destiny. Ephesians 2.10 says you were created in God's image to do God's work. That's the one that says you're his masterpiece. To do God's work that he planned for you to do before any one of your days ever came to be. So before you were a twinkling in your dad's eye, God had a plan for your life. Where's it been robbed on you? Today is the day to take it back. We watched that movie here the other night, The War Room. I have to say there's a piece in that with that girl and she just gets mad at the devil. And she goes into her house and she kicks him out. And she tells him that he's just not having leave it, doesn't matter. Um, just not having it anymore. Just not having it anymore. Now is the day. Today. Don't let him have any more space in your life. Don't. Why have another night where someone else can rob your peace? Why give anyone else in this world even the power to push your buttons and change how you feel? They're your buttons. God gave them to you. Own them. Control what's going on in your head. We have it. Paul says we can take every thought captive. Every thought. 
So if I can take a talk captive, that means I can stop it going off on a runaway train that's going to bring me down to being in a toilet puking me guts up over something that didn't happen. Instead of sitting in peace and watching God walk it out. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your strength. I want to thank you that you know everything that's going on in this room, in every single person's life. You know what they need, what they don't need. You know if they have problems that they can't handle. You know if they've no peace in their life, if they have peace. You also know, Lord, if the peace that they have is based on something that's false. And if that's the truth, Lord, I want you to open their eyes up to that as well. So, Father, this day, this 15th of July, 2017, we draw a line in the sand. I want us to draw a line in the sand, Lord. I want us to say, today, this far and no further, devil. This far and no further world, today, I'm making the choice for Jesus. I'm making the choice to live in the peace and the joy and the happiness and the strength and the encouragement that God's spirit living in me gives me. The opportunity to have a life that is above and beyond anything this world has to offer. Lord, I know because I've done it, money gives peace for a little while. Security gives it. Strength gives it. Physical strength. Drink and drugs give it all, but none of it lasts. You're the only peace that lasts. So, Father, I pray for every person in this room that needs your peace right now. Guys, just close your eyes for a minute. If you need God's peace, if you need that miracle, that touch from God this morning, and put your hand up or stand up or do something. Respond to him. Because he's here. He's here. He's right now. He's like there going, I have it for you. Just take it. Just take it. It's here for you. Father, you, you see the hands. You see the lives. You see the people here who have their hands down who actually need to put their hands up. Lord, have your way in our lives. I pray that this week, each and every single one of us would experience your peace. Each and every one of us would experience the joy of the Lord being our strength. Each and every one of us would experience your amazing grace for your mercies are new every single day. So Lord, bless your people, I pray. May your spirit go with them like a face to shine upon them. May they know your fellowship in every single day. And may the peace of the Lord be their strength. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, folks. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We really hope that you are encouraged and inspired to go and live a life full of adventure and excitement and destiny. One that you were created to live from the very beginning of time. Thank you.